turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me to John chapter 4? We're going to be looking at the whole chapter. It's a long chapter. I'll read the whole thing for us. It's good to, uh, good to read the whole thing. 54 verses. Since the, uh, since the text that is read before the sermon is always better than the sermon that follows it, it's good that we've got a long one today, a lot of real good stuff in John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered him, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well's deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish this work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world." After two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee... He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Amen. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. 
And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, we have perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In John chapter 4, we see that when Jesus says, whoever, he really means it. Because John chapter 4 shows us that following him isn't reserved for Israelites. It's not reserved for the theological or cultural insiders. It isn't simply for the Jews. Following Jesus is even for the Samaritans. Following Jesus, this means, is even for you. The Samaritans and the Israelites had a long and disagreeable history. While Samaria at this particular time had no official recognition on the part of the Roman Empire, it had no formal geographical borders, there were long-standing cultural and political identities that separated the two people. Rome, uh, culture and history had embedded this distinction for generations in both the minds of Jews and Samaritans. Way back, many generations before this story, the Assyrian army had captured all of Israel. Everyone who was educated or wealthy or beautiful was carried away into captivity. That is, all the Israelites that the Assyrians thought were of substance were carried away into captivity. And Assyria settled Samaria. They intermarried with the Samaritans there, with the Israelites who had been in there in Samaria... And what resulted was a sort of mixed religion that had aspects of true trust in Jesus and or trust in the Lord God and following the ways of the Lord God. But it was mixed with ancient pagan practices as well. I want for us to see this in 2 Kings chapter 17, because if you're like me, I, I think it's so cool when we see stuff in the Old Testament that explains realities in the New Testament. So if you take out your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 17, it's pay, found on page 381. I'm going to show you some of these differences that had resulted in animosity between the two people, between Samaritans and Jews. At the time of Jesus. In 2 Kings chapter 17 on page 381, there's a section that has the heading, Assyria resettles Samaria. It tells us about when the Assyrian army came in and and took the people of Israel into captivity. Those that remained in Samaria were resettled by Assyrians. So let me read to you starting at verse 24. And bear with me because there's a lot of big names here that I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce. I'm sure you've had that experience when reading the Bible out loud in your own home. I might get these wrong because there's a lot of Assyrian names and deities and such. So let's bear, let's do this together. So verse 24 says this, And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutah, Ava, Hamath, and Seravim. Did pretty well there, I think, right? Let's continue on and place them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. 
And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, the nations that you've carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them, and behold, they're killing them because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, send the one... Send there one of the priests who you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Sukoth Benoth, the men of Cush, made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Seraphites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Amamelech, the gods of Sephavrim. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord but also served their own gods after the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. To this day, they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord and they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the law or the commandments that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. So let's jump down to verse 41, which sort of concludes it. So these nations feared the Lord And also served their carved images. Their children did likewise, and their children's children, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. So I think that that's so interesting that 2 Kings 17 gives to us the context of this passage. Assyrians and, uh, and other nations had settled within, uh, within this particular territory of Samaria. They had intermarried with them. And so what the Bible says was to that very day, they continued to worship God, but also mix that with the worship of these ancient pagan deities. When the Jews returned after exile, having lived through the end of the Assyrian Empire, the entire Babylonian Empire, and the beginning of the Persian Empire, all in exile, they found that the Samaritans had maintained this polluted worship of God, mixing it with pagan idolatry, and they were very skeptical of it. There was also an element of racism to Israel in all of this. The Jews viewed Samaritans as racial half-breeds. And they considered them children of political rivals. This conflict became more intense in 400 AD when the Samaritans built a rival temple on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. This made the Jewish people very upset. So 200 years later, after the construction of the temple, an army of Jews rose up, went into Samaria, and destroyed that temple to try to end the worship that was taking place on Mount Gerizim. These tensions continued until the time of Jesus, to the point that faithful Jews at the time of Jesus would sometimes make their trip from the northern part of Israel to the southern part or the southern part to the northern part by walking all the way around Samaria rather than to walk through it and encounter Samaritans. Jesus, however, goes through it. And by going through it, he demonstrates this reality of John chapter 3, verse 16. 
that whoever believes in Jesus receives eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus gets the best food and never-ending drink, a spiritual reality that the disciples miss out in this passage. So let's take a look at John chapter 4 by looking at the characters that we meet in each section of the passage. First, we meet a Samaritan woman. Then we meet an official. And so those are going to be the two parts of this passage, a Samaritan woman and a government official. Let's start with a Samaritan woman. Jesus walks through Samaria, again, not around it, but through it. And he, about the sixth hour, arrives at a well. Sixth hour would have been high noon, the time where the weather would have been scorching hot. And Jesus is weary. The passage tells us that. It tells us that Jesus was wearied by the journey. Our Savior is truly God and truly man. And here we see that he's weary, he's hungry, and he's thirsty. So his disciples go into town to find some food so that they can eat. And a Samaritan woman comes into the scene. Jesus is alone at the well, and she comes to the well also alone. She's something of a social outcast, it seems. People didn't go to the well at high noon. It was so hot. They would go in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. If you were going to a well at midday, it's very likely because you didn't want to run into anyone else. So she comes to the well and finds Jesus there. And we learn that there's a substantial difference between her and the last person who had had a conversation with Jesus, with Nicodemus. Those differences are very clear when these two chapters hold them in stark relief. D.A. Carson spells out the difference between her and Nicodemus, accentuated by their placement in the text. He was learned, powerful, respected, orthodox, theologically trained. She was unschooled, without influence, despised, capable of only folk religion. He was a man, a Jew, a ruler. She was a woman, a Samaritan, and an outcast, and both needed Jesus. Right now, there's some commotion. I think that somebody's needing medical attention. I'm just going to pause and say a prayer. I'm not sure who it is, and I'm not going to direct attention to that person, but I think it's important for us to just pause and do that right now. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that we're always in need of you, and right now there is one within our midst who's in special, uh, in special need of your care. We ask that you would provide care and healing We thank you for this wonderful congregation that is filled with people who know how to provide medical care, the loving care of Jesus, and we pray that that would all be received, and we pray that there would be healing and restoration and health. We pray that this would help us to recognize how we all have great need of you, and we pray that you would would that you would heal this one who stands in need of medical attention right now and bring full restoration. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I am really thankful that within this congregation there's so many who are able to care. And I think it's probably best for us to continue on knowing that uh, this is probably the safest place that you could be in need of medical attention given all of those who are able to provide it. So let's, uh, let's continue on. Um, together. So in John chapter 3, Jesus had used birth language to talk about natural birth, to talk about a spiritual reality, the need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. 
Here he talks about water and and food and the need for spiritual food and drink, the best food and never-ending drink. He says the water that he's able to give is never-ending and that anyone who drinks water from that well that Jesus was sitting by becomes thirsty again, but anyone who drinks the water that Jesus offers is never thirsty again. And you might wonder, just as the woman did, well, how do I get this water? And it's by believing. You know, with this all happening, I just, I want to make sure I'm not pressing on in a time that's um, inappropriate. It's hard for me to discern exactly what's best at this particular time. I don't want to ignore the need that's taking place in the congregation right now. It may be that I've got to bring this to a conclusion and then we pray. Okay, I'm being told by everyone that's caring that it's good for us to continue on. All right, let's do that. Let's continue on then. Thanks for assuring me that that's what's right. All right, so the question is, well, how do you receive this water that springs up to eternal life? And it's by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do, you receive the perpetual refreshment of the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the water which quenches the fires of hell, that restores the soul, that saves. And this water is better than any water that you drink. Whenever you drink, you become thirsty again. But when you're saved, there is not a single one who can take that away from you. If you become a Christian, that salvation that the Lord Jesus offers does not run out. It doesn't go away. It remains. And the Samaritan woman says, sir, I want this water. And here's the point where Jesus demonstrates his supernatural understanding. He says, go and tell your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's right. You've had five of them. You're living with a guy right now who's not your husband. And she says something that's an understatement. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And as a prophet, she says, okay, so resolve this dispute that we've been having for centuries here. We Samaritans believe we're supposed to be worshiping here at Mount Gerizim. You Jews say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Which one of us is right? You're a prophet. You can settle this for us. And Jesus demonstrates all of this with, uh, tells what the reality is with shocking clarity. He says that because of his life and ministry and work, because of what he is accomplishing and will accomplish at the cross, the place where we worship does not any longer matter. The person matters. The object of worship matters. It doesn't matter if you worship in a cathedral or a catacomb. The object of worship is what matters if we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus demonstrates why he should be worshiped with really beautiful and astounding clarity like that of pure water. He says uh, that he is the Messiah. The woman says that they are expecting the Messiah. Again, the people of Samaria would have had that messianic hope and anticipation. Even though it was admixed with pagan practice, they would have anticipated the coming of the Christ, of the Messiah, of the anointed one, just as the people of Israel. And with amazing clarity, Jesus says, that's me. That's me. He says, Jesus is the Messiah, the hope of nations. He is the only hope for our lives. He is the one we've been waiting for. He's the prophet who tells the truth, the king who must direct our lives, the priest who will provide the only necessary sacrifice, the once and for all payment for all of our sins. Jesus is the Christ. You know, it's amazing to me the way that Jesus reveals himself in the course of the gospels. 
It's often to the people that we would least expect, perhaps because they didn't have the same level of clarity or understanding or education, but he speaks plainly here. He is the one that all of Israel and the whole world has been waiting for. And they're not getting it, Israel. At least the religious leaders are not getting it, but this woman does. He doesn't use the same clarity even with his disciples who come and they, uh, and they wonder about, uh, and they wonder about the food that he's had. And he said, my food is to do the will of the father, my, the will of my father in heaven. But they don't get it. They thought he talked, was talking about physical food. He's talking about spiritual food. He's saying that if you trust in him, you'll have never ending living water. You'll be saved forever. And you'll have the best food. You'll get to do the will of the Father, which is wonderful. And the Samaritan woman runs back to the village and demonstrates the change that happens to those who encounter Jesus. She had come to the well at midday, away from uh, any other person. She was a woman of disrepute who avoided encountering others. Now she runs to others and tells them about what Jesus has done. I love it. You know, we've been having an apologetics class between the services. It's going to start up again October 21. And I obviously think it's good for us to think about the arguments for the existence of God because I'm teaching that class. But there's something more fundamental about what this woman is doing. It's the best way to share the Lord Jesus with others. Not simply offering arguments. Doing what the woman does here. I met Jesus and that explains everything. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you.